0: Doc Podcast with author, radio host, and nationally recognized safety expert, Dr. David Perotin. Join us each week as we discuss the best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. Follow Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.
1: This is Dr. David Perotin. And I want to thank you as we begin another journey into school and community safety. If you're looking for industrial safety expert, Appalachian State University professor, Dr. Timothy Ludwig, please visit www.safety-doc.com. Again, that's Dr. Timothy Ludwig at www.safety-doc.com. So I felt bad about something that happened over a month ago. And I know it's something I shouldn't be bothered about because it wasn't intentional. And, uh, you know, things happen. But uh, I work for the School for the Blind. And uh, one of our students, our older students, Felix, Friday the kids go home early because some of the kids actually fly home. Uh, others, you know, by bus and different transport and things like that. So really, once you get 1.30, 2 o'clock, day is pretty much done. Um, so Felix is an awesome, fun, creative young man, okay? And uh, he, he's asking me, he's like, hey, what, what's, what's the temperature outside? Uh, because I need to know what to wear um, for the trip home. And, and guess what? You know, I'm thinking I am convinced it is 45 to 50 degrees outside. Now, I had not been outside since the morning, but there was a little bit of, 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 it. I thought, you know, water melting off the roof and, and whatever. And, uh, so I, I'm convinced it's sunny, no empirical evidence to back this up whatsoever that, uh, that it's warm. So I tell Felix, I'm like, Felix, it's, it's warm outside. It's up to you if you want to wear a jacket. Like, that's your call, buddy. <laughs> Not my call on that, but. So, the deal though is if he packs the jacket, it goes into his bag and then goes underneath in the bus. Okay. And so you have no access to it once the bus starts rolling. That's the deal. Okay. Whatever you've put away, you don't get until you stop. Um, so he said, yeah, if that's the case, I'm I'm not gonna wear a jacket. Then it's just something extra and you know, bulky and whatever. I'm like, yeah, whatever, whatever. So later that day, I get done with my stuff. I go outside in my car, open up the door, hit with this piercing blast of like Arctic wind. And the temperature is like 25 not including whatever the wind chill is driving it down to 2015 or whatever. And it is freezing. And I'm like instantly thinking, I just told Felix like a couple hours ago, it was like 45, 50 degrees, sunny spring, like weather. And I'm imagining him, you know, getting on the bus and kind of shivering and being like, what's the deal here? I thought I could trust this guy. Um, so it bothered me because I I didn't intend to do that, of course. Checked in with him the next week. I'm like, hey, I was at Ride Home. And uh, he said, yeah, I wore my jacket after all. Or wore my jacket, you know. So I'm like, ah, crisis averted. So talking about Felix, you get some interesting requests with older students. Um, maybe just in general, but he said... I bought a lot of seeds, tomatoes, squash, green beans, carrots, everything. And I'm going to be building a garden in front of my house. And I need to enrich the soil for this garden. Kid's into this. He knows this stuff. Or kid, you know, but he's young adult, young adult. Um, he knows this stuff. So he's talking about ways he can do this. And I said, you know what, Felix? I said, I burn hardwood to heat my house. So I clear out buckets of ash, like very fine ash. Um, I mean, the stuff is, I I can burn a quart of wood and get like a five gallon pail of ash. I mean, it'll it'll burn down that well. Um, It's that efficient. So... Um, and I said, you know, I can bring in some ash, it's hardwood because it's rich in nutrients and you can mix it up with your soil. And, uh, and I think this would really be good. I kind of do it myself, you know, but like I've already got a lot of ash on our garden and I'm glad to bring in some, um, for you. And, uh, so you said, yeah, yeah, I totally, I totally would go for that. And he kind of knew already, you know, he knew, he knew like, he knew the difference like softwood and and he knew about like volcanoes that things grow really well after the ash and stuff like that. So, so I said, you know, I said, we got to figure something out here though, because I just, I don't, I don't really know how I'm going to package this for you because I'm not going to put in a bag because the last thing we need is for you to carry around a bag of ash that opens up and all of a sudden we have a cloud of ash. Um, and you know, I, I don't. Let me think this out. And he's like, "Well, how about we put it in a sack?" I'm like, "I don't like that idea either." I'm back in my mind, I'm thinking, "Why don't we put it in a big urn? It'd be kind of fun, we'll write somebody's name on it, but probably not appropriate." Um so came up with I have a couple of empty uh coffee containers. Uh I I don't know, you know, what they hold a couple of quarts or whatever. Um so I'm going to just fill it in there and and use like the industrial duct tape to to tape them down on each side so they don't open up and then just take with a marker and write on, um, wood ash. Okay. So he's not able to read them. It's blind, completely, completely blind. Had a sight once, but it's blind. Um, but obviously anyone like, what is this? Why, why you got two weird containers of coffee? But, um, so yeah, so I'm looking forward, forward to doing that. But, um, Interesting, interesting stuff. You know, we've had some fascinating guests on the show the last four episodes. So today needed to be the break from that. And I have guests lined up. And hey, the analytics, the ratings are great. Shows with guests do really well. Shows with the safety doc do okay. Um, But shows with guests do really, really well. So I want to talk about those four guests. and, And I've had some time to think about those shows and reflect upon those um so before we get in that though thank you for listening to the safety doc podcast i am dr david proton host of the show we are in podcast 65 and it just seemed like the right night to do a podcast I've, I've got things kind of written out somewhat here written out on this note card front and back for those of you watching which are very few, but it is. I usually type out everything for the shows. But tonight felt like the night to do the show. I had done some other work. I have clients. I do safety consulting with um, different parts of the country, and I did some work for a client tonight where I needed to record some things. And I just felt like tonight's the night to uh, to record the, the show. So I'm sounding in good voice tonight must be a very important message. So thank you for listening to the Safety Doc Podcast on the 405 Media out of Los Angeles, California with John Grant, the405media.com. This show airs at 2 p.m. PST, Monday through Saturday. Uh, You can find the show there. I also post a 500 to 1,000-word blog post for every show. So you can learn more about uh, the topics. If there's guests, anything I mention, any studies, they're all linked out there. So that's nice. I do that. It's condensed. You're not going to waste a lot of time. I mean, in a couple minutes, it's done. Um, So, yeah, I do that. Check that out. Thank you to Sprigio, S-P-R-I-G-E-O, Sprigio, Sprigio Sprigio.com out of Santa Barbara, the nation's leader in online bullying and school safety reporting, sprigio.com. So, and thank you to all of you. You're not the typical listeners. You want to have rhetoric-free information. We talk about safety, but we have just discussions in general, I think, about um, how we, we keep our agency and purpose and perspective in a world which has really got a lot of wonky things going on. Um, and if we just look at the last four guests, um, Jim, Hector, Justin, and Trip. wow, what, what different perspectives from all of those folks. So I did get called out by a good friend, fellow podcaster, Aaron Clary of the Clary Podcast, CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com. And Captain, I did notice on... Um, one of your responses to a client who wanted to become a Gen Xer, you threw in some sound effects at the end. Didn't know if that was a little homage to the safety doc or what that was, but Aaron called me out on uh, might want to scale back some of the sound effects stuff. Um, I think it's a good idea. I was having a little bit too much fun maybe with with adding in Um, I think there's a place for it, Uh, but yeah, it takes a long time to edit, folks. When you put sound effects in a podcast, especially when you're doing like two hours, which will not be today, by the way, Um, we won't be that long. We'll be like about an hour, but it takes a long time to edit edit sound effects in, and and so actually, you can easily adds five to six hours to a podcast if you go in and you try to match up. So if someone is snowshoeing, that you have snowshoes in the background, or fishing, or you know whatever it is, or a car driving by, um, and you know it, at some point it gets to be a little a little too much, but you know, Aaron, though, hey, I did listen again to my interview with TJ Martinell and, and thought, you know, yeah, some of the sound effects, maybe the the music stuff got a little over the top and I probably had the volume up a little too much on sound effects, but I still think it's a, it's a really good podcast. Um, and people, it, for my analytics, it is approaching a thousand downloads, uh, which is phenomenal. Uh, again, this is kind of a niche market and, or niche market, I guess. And of course, you know, it is just frosting whoever watches on YouTube. I know there'll never be a, a lot of people that do that, but some people like to do that. And there's a reason, folks. There's a reason I I do the YouTube version. It's because of my clients, because of my people that I'm working with in the safety world. Um, they want to be able to see, one, who I am, second, um, that I can present on a topic and I think third, also that I can interview and in, in, in have discourse with other people. So usually they want to see clips of shows, if if you know they're interested in doing some work with me. So the podcast being on YouTube does serve that purpose. Um, so hey, let let's talk about a couple things um, right out of the gate. So let's go back and take a look at the four um, the four interviews that I had in in the last four podcasts, uh, Jim Mallard of um the mallard podcast which has been um rebranded as radio and podcast uh jim incredible guy gets these great interviews and uh, i was able to actually um have him help facilitate my interview with trip helix helix because trip had been on his show and then um so, yeah, i was I was Jim and I did a show right after the Hawaii missile Alert Crisis. I was on his show. actually had him on my show then and and we talked about how that really was a non topic, you know, It didn't get much coverage. it It's vanished now. and it's only been a couple months ago where we're kind of on the brink of nuclear war, right? And so and no one and there were never any presentations about why. Um, or or how the system really works. Like, here's how NORAD works. Here's how the EBS, Emergency Broadcast System, works and all of that. Um, So there there are certain things that Jim and I talked about if that didn't make sense and then it got real murky and all of a sudden the person who was involved in it got reassigned and then got fired and later and all of that stuff. But there's reasons we, we, we pontificated why that might have happened. But we also got into this area called the Mandela Effect, which you might be familiar with, maybe not. Um, but basically, the Mandela effect is people saying that they remember things differently than how they were. So just taking you off the the top there, Mandela, President Mandela, people will remember him as dying in prison when actually he didn't die in prison. He lived, I don't know, seven, nine years later. But then also Fruit Loops being spelled F-R-O-O-T versus F-R-U-I-T. And it seems like it's congregated amongst serials. Like people will say, I remember this was Captain Crunch instead of Captain Crunch and all sort of stuff. So when I, when I see what people put out there is like, here's the 30 examples of the Mandela Effect and 28 are brands of cereal and one is Mandela and, you know, dying in prison and not dying in prison and one is something else. Um, I'm like, this is really good marketing. But the weird part of this, oh, I mean, I guess it's all weird, but the part of this is it's a large number of people that have this same collective memory. And it's like, how does that happen? How, how does that happen? So I believe it happens. I'm not doubting that that happens that, you know, if you have a hundred people, like 30 people would, would say, I remember when fruit loops was spelled like this way or the Berenstein bears versus the Berenstein bears. I'm like, who in the hell would name a book, the Berenstein bears anyway, like that doesn't make sense to me at a face level. Like somebody would look at that and say. Yeah, this is a really cool story, but, like, why would we want to call them the Berenstain Bears? <laughs> I don't know, you know, but – um so I'm looking at this, I'm saying, I think this is really good marketing. I think this is – we know there are millions and billions of dollars that are put into – um the marketing professionals and that they have uh, psychiatrists, psychologists and the studies and, and the way that people remember things and try to get people to purchase their products. I mean, that's so, and also to manipulate the image of a product that might not have been as strong in the past to make it appear stronger than what it was. So I said, I think this is all happening and I don't exactly understand it. But then I went in deep and I tried to figure out what are other examples that might be happening of, of the it, let's say like time travel's authentic, wouldn't we see other residue besides? Because um, that's t- they're saying time travel might be due to the, the might cause this um, mandala effect could be due to time travel. People go back and then they change up things and and then we our universes our parallel universes change. I, a little deep for me right there, but um, but I'm thinking you know wouldn't we see other residue if this was the case? Um, but then I'm thinking, well, maybe we do, but we just don't recognize it. Okay. Think about it. You know, we've, we've had what basically a hundred years of, of really rapid, super advanced technology and, and where we've gone even with like a micro chip and, and things like that. And, and so, you know, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I don't know. There's other parts of this that I'm trying to put together some missing pieces to at least have some, be a part of the conversation be at the table on this mandela effect so it's really cool i want to get a follow-up with jim on that maybe on his show um i don't think it pays to talk about the hawaii crisis because it's like crickets chirping on that there's nothing but i think this mandela effect there's there's more to this um much more to this of 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 the structured memory anyway there's this thing in court where it's called uh, the forgetting curve and it's, 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 it's well known. It's well studied in the conflating of memories. So the more you retell a story, it kind of changes and you can actually be convinced um, through persuasion, persuasive techniques by a very skilled, um, you know, somebody, somebody in military intelligence or uh, investigator something like that, like you, that you actually had committed this crime or whatever when you didn't. Um, so there are ways you can manipulate the mind. But anyway, I want to talk more about that with Jim and maybe if we can get somebody else in the loop on that because I think something's there, but I don't think your strongest argument for like the Mandela effect is to start to bring out cereal boxes <laughs> and say, I remember this is this, or I remember Oscar Mayer is being spelled, you know, this way or whatever, or this jingle was different. I'm like, I don't know. And, and there, there are things like I go through on the list. I'm like, no, like I don't, that doesn't, I remember this as being like this. I, I don't ever remember this being a different way. So um, anyway, Hector Solis. This was possibly my best piece of journalism ever. Um, when Hector and I paired up and worked on the grooming, um, child trafficking piece. And that got used also with uh, graduate students in a course that I was teaching. So very, um, very popular piece. Uh, It was the best blog post I ever wrote, and Hector and I worked for weeks putting that together. Now, Hector had done a ton of interviews and research and, and with his awareness podcast before all of this, but then just how we would put this together as As something for my show, we probably put about two weeks into that. And we tried to come up with with ways that parents or school official, school counselors, whatever, but think maybe more parents, questions they could ask their kids if they were concerned about grooming. if they if they think my kid might be my kid might be getting groomed. There might be something going on here. I need, I need to find out more about this. And there isn't really a question set out there for that. And there isn't an input set, meaning questions y- you put forward of, of re- reporting like I'm, I'm being groomed. And most kids or young adults or even adults that are groomed, um, he gave the story in one of his podcasts about a college um, lady in college, I think, planning on going to med school well, one step away from that and um, got involved with a groomer, and, and, and that was kind of the end. Um, but, you know, there aren't the words. And, and then once once you start to have this relationship with a groomer, and maybe you've exchanged an inappropriate, inappropriate picture or something like that, um, you know, you're 14 years old, the groomer's going to say, if you say anything, if you report this, that picture is going to be all over to your parents' workplace. It's going to, I'm going to post it in your neighborhood. It's going to be online. It's going to have your name. You're going to be ruined for life. So, I mean, there's a lot of act- incentive, of course, not to say anything. So there's very um, extreme tactics that these groomers will go through once they can build this relationship then to make sure that these kids don't talk. So Hecker and I came up with, I think, you know, it was seven or eight key questions to ask to, to try to elicit if there was something going on that might be grooming. And then I also worked um, with some of my clients in the school world on their user interface systems on how to capture concerns of grooming, which really is more third-party. It's more like somebody else seeing it than someone who, who comes and says, you know, I feel like I'm having too many text or too many phone calls from this adult or whatever. It usually is third party. You know, it's like my friend, you know, Sarah, whatever, she's totally changing now. She's always like online and she's been getting these like um phone cards sent to her or like money wired to her account. I mean those are like, whoa, red flags. Like then you know that those totally fall into that that area. Um so to me, I thought that was one of the best public service pieces that this show has ever done. And I'm glad it was popular, continues to be popular in downloads, it means the message is getting out. People have contacted me, the work that Hector's done on that. And that's why I really appreciate the people that listen to this show that retweet and to get that out there. Because again, you know, if we affect a few people with this and that message. Um, and someone's like, Hey, I remember there was, you know, you, what, you're, you know, you you've got some concerns about, you know, your kids and, and maybe, you know, some weird texting that's going on with an adult or whatever. Well, there was this podcast and, uh, it's a safety doc, safety doc, um, guy following and, uh, I'm going to find it. There was an episode and, uh, and, and let's listen to it or here it is like, and there's some things in there and, and, and I think there's a blog post and whatever. So anyway, like. That is really great scholarly work, and I was—I'm glad to have done that and to put the time into that with Hector. So, just Justin, (laughs) another interview, Justin Dooley, Justin Dooley. We did this interview um, on the night or right before this this allegedly major storm was to hit. Okay, so which was called Mateo. Like, like They name snowstorms now. Never before in Wisconsin, but I guess Mateo. And it, never, it kind of fizzled. It wasn't much at all. So we, we do this storm and, and it's timely because part of what we're doing is about safety in general in cars, but I kind of had mine themed toward like, well, if, if you're driving, in, in, in you know, slide off the road because of snowstorm, icy roads or whatever, here's what you should have. That was a fun interview. That was a fun interview with Justin, uh, we had a lot of, a lot of areas we roped around. He actually shared a story about when he was in high school. He, he tipped over his moped or whatever, like at an intersection, and instead of somebody yelling or, or coming out to, to help him, they they yell out the window, "Hey, like pick up your bike and get out of here!" Like <laughs> holding up traffic, man. But uh, Justin, that was fun. We we brought in five items each. So again, if you're watching the YouTube version of that episode, but we, t- we had five items each. I remember I had like a hammer, the special hammer that broke out a window, um, and an industrial, um, glow stick type thing and some stuff. And he brought in, you know, a safety kit and, and I think, um, we talked about jumper cables and stuff like that. And so it was fun. We're going to do another show in a few weeks. I'm not sure of the topic. Um, but I, but I. It's gonna you could, you know I mean you you listen to it we're gonna have a good time we're gonna have a good show, um, and we're gonna do something again that's gonna have a top five and and we're gonna challenge each other who who came up with the better top five got some ideas don't want to work on that or, or don't want to share too much on that right now but uh, Justin Dooley and then after that totally shifted gears went to an interview with uh, had Trip Elix on the show. Trip Elix, so he's published books on, um, keeping kids safe and on also, you know, pers- your personal identity, wrote a novel, Extortion Wear, and then has, um, Browse Without Being Tracked, a free guide off of his website, tripelix.com, and, and, you know, so now Trip Elix really knows the side of the internet, kind of the underside of the internet, um, how things happen when all of a sudden, which isn't all of a sudden, but you know, we find out, hey, half of the nation's credit was ripped off in the heist, you know, or whatever, you know, and so you're talking to somebody who knows how all of this happens and knows it really intense and deep. Um, So, you know, I get into that interview and am able to bring things to you that were far beyond anything I knew. Um, you know, like he's talking, you know, I was against the Tor browser in an earlier show. I think my tense trip to the dark web or whatever I call it um, about 10, 12 shows ago. And, and, Trip was saying, no, you know, Tor is actually a good thing. The onion router, that browser, it, it, you can get to a lot of sites without being tracked. That was this whole thing. Like, don't be tracked, don't be tracked. And he gave all of these tips of, you know, use, um, you know, the, buy the cards, um, like the gift cards and stuff like that and, and use those and, and just ways to, to minimize being a target of identity theft and, and just in general, like what's happening to your data, like how it's being sold (laughs) and just how corporations, it's just crazy. So he's an advocate on that, um, and has, has done a lot, gave, gave terrific advice, If you have kids and they're under 14, here's what you should do for their social media profile. If they're over 14, here's what you should do. And this whole thing too of like, we can go dark on the internet. Meaning like you could say, I'm not doing Facebook anymore. I'm not doing Instagram and all of these things and I'm done. And and he's the bad side of that. Like, he's like, you can't do that. You cannot apply to colleges and not have a social footprint because that looks odd. Then you have to explain that. And the real world is you're going to have to navigate in a social environment in most corporations and things like that. So they're going to want to see that. He talked about if you're older than 14, you know, once you get 14 and stuff, if you can create like some essays or a blog, a scholarly type blog, as long as it's not political, you know, but, you know, maybe it's cooking or weather or something else and, and, and stuff like that or some history stuff, um, That that really serves you well down the road because those types of things show up Mm -hmm. then for college admissions, show up Mm -hmm. then in job searches and and so forth. So really a cool show, Um, about two hours long, edited down to that. We had a lot of content, so we got it down to some core content. That show's performed really well, too. Trip Elix. so (laughs) And Trip would challenge me a few times. on things because I said, isn't isn't the whole thing of like the economy about like we have to be consumers and it's a fiat currency and if that doesn't happen then whatever and he's like Dave you're nope
0: <laughs> here's what's really going on. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen now back to dr. David Perodin and the safety Doc podcast
1: um, it's, what I wanted to talk about though was the word mantra and then also this all came up because I had I had some time off and I read a book about um, haunted Great Lakes. And it talked about the captains and when the ships would go down, the captains for the most part would go down with the ship. You know, that was just the part of the job. So, and, um, so, you know, you would go down with the ship captain. And if you didn't go down with the ship, I think you could actually be like jailed if you didn't go down with the ship. Um, in most cases. So really pretty harsh stuff. We're talking, you know, like the 1880s stuff like that. But, um, you know, when they were starting to get the lighthouses across the, the Great Lakes. But a lot of these ships in the storms, you know, you'd have a big storm, you could lose like 20 ships. I mean, it's crazy. But anyway, I wrote down here, the captain foregoes his own rapid departure of a ship in distress. This is the, the old, you know, the captain goes down with the ship. And again, my handwriting isn't the best here. And concentrates instead on saving other people. It often results in either the death or be late at rescue of the captain as the last person on board the ship. So, um, you know, the captain goes down with the ship. So, how much of that really happens in society today? I'm trying to put this over here, which is I don't. It, I don't know if it happens. I don't think it happens as much. We look at the 2008 banking crisis, you know, if the heads of banks um, got the golden parachutes and kind of their exit, they weren't going to jail. Equifax and the breach, people retired, <laughs> things like that. The selling of, of, you know, data and or the harvesting of data and tracking um, by Facebook, which People didn't know to what extent that was happening and and how that was shared. You know, Mark Zuckerberg still has a job and a company. Stocks down a little bit. That doesn't matter. That'll come back up. So this whole thing of the captain goes down with the ship, I think there was an honor in that, and there still is an honor in that. I know people who live their life that way um, of the captain goes down with the ship, meaning that their integrity is not going to be compromised um, if they're involved in, in something, you know, like the captain, his integrity as being the captain. And another day that ship goes down, it's probably going down with it. So let's talk about the word mantra. It can be broken into two parts, man, which means mind and tra, which means transport or vehicle. So in other words, a mantra is an instrument of the mind. All right. I, I swear this will make sense. Okay, at the end of the day, the mantra is meant to bring you back to simplicity. So your mantra is meant to be this very simplistic kind of highway to your core of what you're all about. This is your mantra. It brings you back to that. We live. So we live in a complex world. It's easy to get lost in the details. Mantras can help you circle back to the simplistic approach to life. And focus on those things that inspire you and truly make you happy. But I think the other part of this is a mantra. Okay. A mantra also brings you back to what your core is. And I guess to try to explain that, it's like um, the Dark Knight Batman. So you have the Joker. And of course you have Batman too, but... The, the thought with the Joker there is um, the Joker just wants to see chaos. He's, he's incorruptible. He burns a huge pile of money, huge pile, you know, 50 feet high pile of money. Things like that don't mean anything to him. So he's incorruptible. Just, you know, um, and to some extent, Batman, you know, largely incorruptible. Not, not all of us. We have a vice. People have vice vices. We're not incorruptible um and even as as trip talked about that you know people do have weaknesses places to compromise that's i think it's natural it's human but we get into mantra if you have a strong mantra which i believe goes into what i've talked about before into member check member check um Meaning that if you are willing to listen to people that you value and seek out people that you value their feedback, and also that you're able to do not only introspection, but awareness. Awareness is deeper, um, and you stand with your position no matter what, because you believe in it. Okay, that you believe that that position is right. And I'm going to give you. I'm going to bring this all together right now. So I was asked by one of my clients. So when I say clients, I am referring to people that I work with on a contract basis for school safety services. Um, And again, I don't do this in my state, so these are different locations. But one of my clients approached me and said, Dave, we would like to change our reporting system um in a certain way okay and we want you to create this and i was like oh okay i i'm looking at this and i'm like i understand why you're doing this i understand completely why you're doing this but if i change this to what you're asking me to change to it no longer is the most effective system it can be um and it's probably going to create some some possibilities where there's going to be gaps in the systems or gray areas or slipping through the cracks all of those types of things which then when something bad really happens you immediately go back and you totally overhaul the system and eliminate all of those things um but it's but it was one of those requests which was I couldn't come up with a solution that would not have compromised me as a safety professional, and again, this wasn't anything that they were asking to do underhanded or anything like that. I think they were—they had a genuine issue and were trying to approach that in a way that I was saying, ah, I can't be a part of the way that you're trying to approach this. I, and maybe it works. Maybe it would work, okay? I can't do that, though. Like, it's not the way that I work as a safety professional. So was that member check moment, too, where I said, I respect you for the work we've done in the past for what you're doing but you know I'm not going to be able to be a part of this so we're we're going to have to go our different ways on at this point so they were kind of taken back a little bit by that because when you're in a contract client agreement uh, you know customer client and you know a, the expectation largely, you know, I think is that the client, um, you'll, you'll match the client's request. Okay. So as the provider, I mean that you, if they're asking, this is what I want, you know, okay. So, um, yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, I just, I can't do that because it's, I don't think it's the best practice. And also it's just not for me ultimately, um, this isn't, this isn't aligning with the way that I, that I believe things should be done. So maybe again, there's other people out there, check them out. So, so we, we have this, this parting of the ways, kind of this hiatus where, you know, and it was fine, fine with that. And it's all confidential, you know, and you have a, a very sophisticated agreements put together in, in arrangements, you know, like this too, like, so, you know, you, you're never sharing information that you've worked on with a client and, and vice versa and, and and things like that. And, and those are all done for um, protection of, of, you know, both parties. You know, that I'm not creating something and then they're reselling it or packaging it and giving it to whatever and kind of vice versa. And also that some of the data that I'm privileged to from certain clients um, I use that and analyze that in a certain way. But of course, if that data were to get out and to be public and it didn't have the qualitative part, the discussion to go with it, it might be interpreted in a certain way and stuff. So again, this is, it's, it's all above the table very, but there's, there's a way businesses operate in this, in in this industry, there's a way things operate. And I was contacted again by this, by this client. And the client said, you know what, like what you said makes sense and it's right okay your so basically kind of my mantra bringing me back of my my mantra is is you know that it's best practice empirical based safety it's kind of my my mantra bringing me back to simplicity if i can back it up with research and if it is a system which is accessible and is going to go through the due diligence of investigations and, and all of that for safety situations, then I'm good. So, my mantra, I don't know, I just changed my mantra like 10 times, but you know, like due dil, dil, diligence, safety, and hiccups, I guess. But, and uh, I wasn't going to bend from that. So, they came back and they said, you know what, we really appreciate that you said this because we, we we've liked everything you've done for us and i mean every, what i turn out at the end of the day to my clients is very high quality it's researched um i give them the research it's i stand behind everything and you know so i have a very strong reputation in the field and uh they approach me and they actually want me to do more <laughs> than what i was originally doing with them and uh and I thought that was really cool. I thought that was really, really cool. It, it, it showed, one, that they respected my opinion. I was strong to the mantra. And also, um, we have a lot of great things that we're going to accomplish together uh, going forward. And for them now, they also have a member check. They know, They know that I'm just not somebody out there that's getting a check from them that if I don't agree with what they're saying or what they're asking or whatever, and we can't come to some kind of uh, workable means on that, that then I'll part ways. So they trust me. So it comes down to trust. It comes down to to trust. And the ability to sometimes tell people, I can't do this, or I'm not going to do this because whatever, um, that is a trust point. Somebody does that, and even like just in life, somebody does that to you, um, that's meaningful. That's me. Mean, that's somebody who cares about you in your best interest. Because I said, I don't think this is in your best interest to do this. Um, from my perspective, and maybe I'm, again, I'm wrong, one person, but from my perspective, but again, people who tell you that, and what's your reaction going to be right away? You're going to be defensive, you're going to pull back a little bit, be like, What? It's not what I expected, but. At the end of the day, we want people around us who are going to be those member checks. We want those member checks. So the one thing with mantras, mantra gets mixed up a lot with intentions. Like, here are my intentions. I intend to do this. I intend to do whatever. That's different, though, than a mantra. A mantra really drives down to that core. A mantra is where you will walk away because it just doesn't align with what you are about. Okay? So... I want you to think about that. I want you to think about your mantra and also intentions. And the la- and, and the worst thing I think you can do is, n- especially when you have a a good relationship with a client, is to not be totally upfront and say, if something isn't working, um, to lay it out and, and to part ways. And ultimately, if that client does rethink it, it's because of what you've done and it's a trust factor. And do that in life. Do that with other people that are close to you, are, are meaningful for you to, to vest in, but just to say, listen, I you know. And the thing is, it's two-way street, right? It's two-way street. It comes, comes back to you. So a couple other things here. Hey, I bought a leaf. Blower in VAC, a gas powered one, first time, first time ever. Like I had this electric one, which was, um, you know, they, those things aren't built very well. And then you have this industrial, you know, heavy cord. Um, so like the cord is in a five gallon p- bucket and it, ra- it wraps up and stuff. It's actually pretty ingenious cause I had to buy the bucket separate. It was more than the leaf blower, I think. Um, and, and VAC and the VAC is a small bag. It's, but anyway, um, so you go around the house and I have stones around my house and a lot of bushes. And then of course we have trees and oak leaves and maple and stuff like that. And, and it's a, it's a task to get the, everything plugged in. And then as you're going around, you can only go so far and, uh, the cord gets caught up in the trees and the solar lights and stuff like that. So I, I bought a gas powered echo Leaf blower. Same place. Um small engine place where I bought my lawnmower, snowblower, my four stroke Briggs and Stratton Weed Whacker, which is an absolute beast. Like <laughs> I'm a pretty big guy, so like this thing doesn't bother me at all. Like I can handle it. But if like you weren't, I mean this thing is like, you know, it's it's heavy. I mean this and I've had this like twelve or fourteen years and it's still in great shape. I mean take it in every once in a while and do the the servicing on it, whatever has to be done, but um, man, that thing is, but, but that that's, you could cut a tree down with that thing, I mean, four-stroke weed wagger. it's crazy, so yeah, I got my leaf blower vac, gas-powered, so it's good, because my lawn goes way back, and then it butts up against a park, and there's some trees and stuff, so of course, you know, we all kind of try to blow our leaves and stuff into the park and Which is fun. I mean, it's not, it's the part of the park, which is just like leftover. It narrows down. It's like trees and high grass and stuff like that. There's no playing in that part of the park. Like the actual playground stuff is literally another 500 feet down from that. So, um, if anything in summer, it's just all filled with snakes anyway. But, uh, so yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. I, I am, I'm I'm excited. And then you know I don't know if anyone's watched the movie Insidious so in in it's been out a while my I watched it with my older daughter which um, so it it it's uh it was on TV so haunted like this this family I don't know this is a like possession or whatever and things like that so you know it's, it's pretty scary like it's meant to be that that way meant and um, right <laughs> it's kind of obvious but but anyway at the same time, it was a little bit corny because they have, they have this dad, his son is like in a coma, but his actually like soul has been invaded by like someone from the dark side who hasn't passed over. And, and the dad has, has to cross over and try to get his son back. And the whole thing is like, it's pretty casual. Like the dad is like go, once he crosses over, like trying to find his son, you know, he's, he, he, he it just seems like too casual, too passive. And my daughter is pointing this out too. She's like, wouldn't this guy like be all like pumped up and like ready and take on anybody? And I'm like I'm like, you do that to me. Ghost does that to me. Spirit does that to me. Like you're getting the full tilt here of the safety dock. And actually in this the he's being coached by some some psychic or whatever on the other side, some medium. You can you can physically overpower him. You're you have the power of life. And he actually was able to push this guy down and be like I'm lowering the shoulder and that guy's down or that ghost or that spirit. I'm like, I don't care. I am hunt. I'm, I'm in hunt mode. <laughs> you, you get dad over there. You get the safety doc over there. The safety dogs in hunt mode. Ghost, you're, you're, you watch out. <laughs> I'm not passive. I'm not, I am. I'm not going to be walking around. Look, I'm searching. You are the one. You're the ones or whatever. It doesn't matter. Okay. Um, so I, I just didn't, I just didn't get it. They the, the, it didn't have the anger. It didn't have the passion and in the emotion. And it got to the point where it just got to be almost ridiculous of, of how that, that movie was. But it did make me think about that too, of like, you know, how hard you'd fight for something or, or whatever. And, and, uh, yeah, something like that had happened to me or, or somebody that I knew and stuff like that. I'm, I'm going full tilt. And, um, again, you know, I am, <laughs> I am bringing the shoulder and bringing, bringing the, uh, the, the linebacker moves to you and, and, uh, and that's what you're going to be getting. So, um, Hey, had new rims built for my bike, built for my bike, not bought for my bike, built custom rims. There's a bike place. Uh, and these guys, all they do is bikes. One guy has, he's this, he has a suit a little older than I am. And the, the other guy is referred to as the tattoo man. He's really cool. Great. He's a great bike mechanic. But in like forms, they're like the guy in the suit in the tattoo man. But um, this guy, Tattoo Man, I forget what his name is. And that's not meant to be derogatory. At all. This is great. This guy's talented. He's worked on my bike. I got a you know, nice bike. Um, but the rims go after a while on these these touring racing type bikes. And uh, the spokes and you can't keep the tensions and everything just kind of goes bad. And it was time. So he built these rims and it took him, you know, a while. So built the rims, individual spokes, did all the tensioning, repacked. I mean, it was a work of art and they're so much stronger now. And I actually also put in a new metal, um, more of a higher end, uh, gearing system for me. And that's really cool. So, but yeah, we had a snowstorm last week with uh, like five inches of snow and we still have a little snow could be like 70 on Thursday I'll be getting the bike out so I'm so thrilled because you know the safety doc loves to bike 70 80 miles I'm ready and actually I have a area we designate it in a kitchen cabinet with a little pull-out thing because I said I have a I have a routine routine not a ritual right T.J. T.J. Martinell who I also interviewed how did I miss T.J. Martinell out of this group Oh my goodness. TJ Martinell, the great TJ Martinell.com. Oh, that was great. Um, really emulate a lot of things he does the way he lives his life. His photography is up on his wall. He's done reconnaissance to the British Isles, seen the constitution. Great, great guy. Great, great, terrific, uh, interview. Um, Anyway, I, I'm going back. So I've got all my stuff. You know, when I bike, I put together beef jerky, Swedish fish, um, whole grain crackers. I don't know. I've got, I've, I've got like a mix of things I put together, you know, and um, get all of that because I have so many calories, nuts too, like for protein. I want to make sure I get protein, but then I also get, I have to get stuff that I can turn into calories pretty fast too. So I put all this together and I have to—I I, I mix it from this container and then like I get all of it ready. So it was all kind of thrown up there. So we actually put it in this container. I just pull out. And, but for me to take a bike ride and then I have to charge all of my lights because I have lights on my helmet. I bought a new helmet too. I bought a new high-end helmet and it has a, it moves if you wipe out. The helmet will turn a little bit to lessen the risk of a brain injury. It's pretty sophisticated stuff. And, um, better than the helmet I had, I think, um, and this is newer technology. It's also neon. Like I wanted to get a neon helmet. I I've seen a few of them. They're very visible. And of course, when you bike, that's you, your head is the highest part. So as you're cresting hills and stuff, I think it's really, it's really helpful. I do a lot of country biking in, in, you know, through paved country roads. So, um, but anyway, I have, I have a light on the back that charges USB and then also the main light in the back of my bike. And then I have a flashing white light on the front. It's all USB. So I have to charge all this stuff up. It takes a hell of a lot, lot of time to charge these things, actually. <laughs> but then they'd stay charged, you know, for 20 hours or whatever. But so I'm, I'm down, you know, charging up everything before and get my bike. And you got to check the tire pressures. And it's really, you know, it's a lot you got to put into a trip. But it's well worth it. I mean, it is worth it a million times over. So I'm excited to get out and and with the new rims, super excited about that. So, hey, what else here? We got a couple minutes left on this ouch, safety doc podcast. Oh, my uh my dad. My dad, um dad inherited one of my computers i gave him one of my older ones years ago when i had upgraded and i thought it was more recent than what it was but it wasn't (laughs) it was like 15 years old running windows xp which and it had couldn't update anymore and i mean it was just i mean old and bad and in its day it was something but its day was long 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 ago so i um got him a new computer and uh doesn't have windows 10 as windows 7 pro um, and it's an industrial machine and a LED, um, high output Dell monitor, really cool that you can view from like different angles and you can tilt and stuff like that. Um, and it, you know, so it's, it's just really nice. Got a really nice setup. Um, new keyboard and mouse and, and instead of wired and instead of wireless wired, which I think I'm going to go with too, because I get a lot of interference down here got a really nice stuff. And then they built it in my hometown or in my town here. There's a, a lady who, um, you know, builds them. She's older, older. And, um, really, I checked in a couple times with her and I was running a little test questions by her. She knew all the stuff and she built this awesome system and not for that much money either. I went up and put it, took down, took apart my dad's old system. His big thing was, can you save my bookmarks? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I can save the bookmarks. And, um, was able to do that and uh, and move those over. And he does, he saved like everything to one file. So I just had to copy it over to a hard drive, flip it back over to onto the new machine. And it wasn't a lot of stuff, you know, it's mostly like word type documents. So he's not into producing podcasts or anything like that. So stuff that takes, you know, literally took me five minutes to transfer back and forth. But I set this machine up and uh, it is, it is really nice and it's working great for him. So I feel really happy about that because. Um, you can't get the windows seven stuff, you know, they force you into the 10 and, and then if you, if you buy stuff from the stores, like a Walmart or Best Buy or anything like that, it's got all this bloatware on it and all this crap you don't need. So basically I'm like, you know, it's got on what he needs. He's Microsoft word. He needs a PDF reader. Um, he needs to be get, you know, be able to get to the net. He needs to be able to get to his printer and use a scanner and stuff like that. And so that's all I set it up for, boom, set it up. And uh, it's really nice. So that machine is super well made. It's going to last him. And, and I, we took the old one downstairs, and I'm carrying, like, the CPU unit. My God, that thing was, like, 30 or 40 pounds. And, like, the new CPU is, you know, like, five, eight pounds. The monitors maybe, like, less than a pound, even though it's 22-inch. You know, it's like and, – and this this old stuff was just so heavy. It just – man. So he was thrilled. And again, I was happy for him because – um, and one of the things he wanted me to bookmark was some MLB, Major League Baseball sites, because he follows baseball a lot. And some of the sites like he couldn't do anymore because like they weren't XP compatible. <laughs> so like you know it it was just it was just crazy. It was it was time. And you know hey and I voted. And every time I go to the voting booth, like I have bad experience. I'm not a great spatial, uh, visual spatial guy. I'm just not. Um, I think I shared the story when I had my firefighter training. I, the part I got wrong was plot book. I couldn't read a plat book. Plot book is like a map. So like you have a fire out in the country, it'd be like, it's at this coordinate, like 8.21. And then over here on the Y, I'm like, I don't know. I don't I have no idea. And today actually, it's so automated and they use drones to find quickly um, if there is a fire on a, a plat of land where it's at and stuff like that, but also voting though, I always like, you know, you can vote for one, but not three and you can't vote party or whatever. And there'd be a lot of times I'd go through and I'd, I'd put the thing in and it'd be like, then someone would come over and be like, Hey, like, um, we're going to issue you another ballot, you know, and any questions I'm like, you know, and it's like the guy who remembers, I was like, you know, I've, I've been voting since the first, the only question was, should we remain part of. Great Britain or not, you know, <laughs> the guy who's been doing this forever and he's like, dude, how are you not, you know, kind of to me, like subtly, like, how are you not figuring this out? I'm like, I don't know. So, but I I got it right this time, you know, like I'm apprehensively like putting it through the machine and it takes, I'm like, yes, yes. Vote it. In the election, which really probably didn't mean much of anything because a lot of the people like weren't running against anyone either. Do you want to vote for, you know, Bob? Janikowski, or do you want to vote for the right in candidate? I don't know. I guess I'll vote for Bob. So he's probably going to win. Anyway, so what we talked about today, just kind of some touchback on the shows, talking about what mantra is, what your mantra is, and mantra is different than intention. Staying strong in your mantra in your member checks and sometimes it's better to just walk away professionally to walk away not sometimes I mean if you, if you feel that way it, it's better to do that. I've done that more than once actually in life and it's going to serve you well.
0: This has been the safety Doc podcast with author, radio show host and leading safety expert Dr. David Perodin. Remember to check back each week for the latest, best and most bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. You can find Dr. Perotin on Twitter at SafetyPhD. And remember, the truth will keep you safe.